0: I love comics, but I've seen a lot of hesitation about them. I know there is more to comic books than what meets the eye, and I want to learn about and share all this medium has to offer. That's why I decided to get a group of friends who don't share my taste or opinions to help me experience it all. Together, we want to share what we find with every type of reader out there. So, listen up, nerds and future nerds. It's time for the VF Comics Podcast. To the VF Comics Podcast. Every week, myself and a collection of not like minded friends talk about the amazing medium of comics and attempt to leave reading suggestions for every kind of reader. On this week's episode, we have Mallory. Hi. Megan. Hey. And Beta Ray James. Hello. Ooh, James, you sound so crisp in my ears. So this week, we only have a couple things that we're going to talk about during our news and discussion section. One piece of news and one discussion. Uh, We're going to talk about the Eisner nominees being revealed and talk a little bit about Loki, just because by this point, I think we've all seen the first episode. Then I will be recommending a book called The Last God. And finally, we'll talk about some of the things coming out this week that caught all of our eyes. So to start out, the Eisner Award nominees have just been revealed this past week. The Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards, known, by, known in short as the Eisner Awards, are coming up very, very soon. They are best described as the Academy Awards of Comics, just as a frame of reference for everybody. Uh, This is the 33rd year for the awards, and they are going to be announced during the Comic-Con at Home, during the San Diego Comic-Con at Home event. Every year, the Eisner Awards judging panel consists of a number of different people from various backgrounds. This year, it's Marco Devanzo, um, who is the operator of Alakazam Comics, Comic-Con board member Shelley Fruschi, librarian Pamela Jackson, Comics creator-publisher Keithan Jones, educator Alonzo Nunez, and a comic scholar by the name of Jim Thompson. Over at ComicCon.org, which is a link you can find in our show notes, you'll see the complete list of all the potential nominees, and you'll even find a link to where you can go and vote for your favorites from the list that they've put together. On ComicCon.org, they have also highlighted some of the creators that have got multiple nominations. And I think this is a really good way to suggest specific authors to some of our listeners. So if you don't have specific authors you're following yet, or you're just looking for someone maybe that you don't know, the list of authors who have received three or more nominations are Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Jeff Lemire, Adrian Tamine, James Tinian the fourth, and Chip Zdarsky. None of these names are strangers to the world of comics. They are all putting out various types of comics right now, of of even various genres. I just finally decided to sit down and read Ed Brubaker's Pulp. Um, I'm currently reading uh, some James Tenyon work, and one of my recommendations involves Chip Zdarsky this week, so that's really, really cool. Now, in terms of titles that I thought was interesting to pull out, was I'm going to let you know some of the projects that have two or more nominations. And so maybe these are some of the works that you could check out if you're curious about what is considered the best of the best for the two, for the year 2020. Uh, Department of Truth by James Tynion IV and Martin Simmons. Uh, Decorum by Jonathan Hickman and Mike Huddleston. Dragon Hoops by Jean Luen Yang. Far Sector by N.K. Jemisin and Jamal Campbell. The Loneliness of the Long-Distance Cartoonist by Adrian Tamine, Stillwater by Chip Zdarsky and Roman K. Perez. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen by Matt Fraction and Steve Liber. And We Only Find Them When They're Dead, which is a book I really want to read. If I remember correctly, basically it's about space miner explorers or something like that. And they keep finding these like celestial beings, but they only find them when they're dead. They have not found one alive. Oh, weird. Um, So that that idea sounds really cool. Um and that book is by Al Ewing and Simone DeMayo. So those are some just suggestions for books or authors that you might want to check out if you're looking for the best of the best in comics. The judges also added a new category this year. Megan's going to be super excited about they have added best graphic memoir.
1: Yes. So, oh, that's delightful.
0: In the past, uh, according to ComicCon.org, they included autobiographical works in the best reality-based work, but they found so many high-quality works this year that, and numerous, and a lot of them were memoirs. So they just decided to add that new category. They felt it was yes. necessary. So that's really exciting, Megan. I expect you to check out whoever wins. And maybe Uh, go vote because I I bet you know some of those artists. So that's just some quick news on the Eisner Awards coming up this year. They're definitely something to check out. They do this every year, and the dates for this year's nominees all range from January first, two thousand twenty, to December thirty first, two thousand and twenty. And speaking, you know, thinking about that too, I was like, James, are you going to get a copy of Far Sector Collected? Do you know anything about that? Is that coming out?
2: Yes, dude. Should at some point they haven't uh, they haven't collected anything yet, so I'm assuming it's going to be just one hardback.
0: Yeah, I thought it was going to be a limited series, so I'm, I'm I'm hoping that I do know that a book I'm talking about later is going to be coming out in hardback in August, and I'm going to need you to order it for me if possible. Okay, but I'll beg for you later.
1: <coughs> Everything's happening. Everything's
0: happening. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So the next thing I want to talk about is this past week, one of the most anticipated superhero television shows began. And after two great successes with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we now have our premiere episode of Loki, which we talked about last week about what we were thinking about it. Who's seen it? Me.
1: Oh, yeah, I have. Yay! We've all seen it. (laughs) Yes! So,
0: I... I'm doing so much talking this episode and I have so many scrambled thoughts on this. Um, I want you guys to talk to me. What did, how do you feel about it?
2: It was a great show. Uh, good start. I thought
0: I
3: am excited. It seems like it's going to open up a lot of, uh, different ways that, that it can go. And so, um, I'm interested to see how they will take us through time of the time. Hopping seems really interesting in that aspect of it. And, who the baddie is, is definitely, like, I want to see where that falls in, because I'm interested to figure out, <laughs> I'm really curious of, wait, where did they come from?
0: No like, who are
1: you?
3: Um,
1: yeah, that was so great, that was a it was good, good it was, that, uh, yeah, it was a good yeah, drop, nice be, little tidbit good. to
3: keep people hanging on, and so...
0: And it makes sense, too, like, it is just like, okay, that's why Owen, Owen Wilson, by the way. Oh, my gosh. An <laughs> um, wow, But it, it does it does explain why they would be interested in yeah. Loki yeah. in this fashion. So.
1: I still can't get over that they created this. I mean, they had to know that they were doing this, right? I mean, I feel like they
0: are so good about they pulling tidbits. They are and aren't good about Okay. about planning, okay. because there's lots of like subplots that have been started and dropped completely mm. in the MCU. And honestly, if they had just dropped the whole Loki disappearing thing, I would have just been like, okay, that's fine.
1: Well, I didn't think anything would come out of it. That's why I was kind of so excited about it. I was like, mm. what? You're actually going to do something with this one scene in this one movie that was
0: sort of inconsequential? Well, and that's the thing. is, it's like It's almost like the basic premise was like, Hey, all you nerds that think this is a pothole, we made a whole show for you to leave. So yeah. you leave us alone. <laughs>
2: right. I think they're going to use it mostly to, you know, fill out possibilities for the franchise going forward. As far as you know, creating all these different timelines and different realities. I think that's going to follow through quite a bit through uh, Doctor Strange and 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 the next because yeah, the rumor on
0: Spider Man is it's a it's a yeah. <clears throat> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Spider-Verse sort of situation. Yeah. So we might get some more Alice. Maybe.
1: Yes. I hope so. What
0: if they straight up end up just straight up adapting uh, Secret Wars, the most recent one? And that is a soft boot for getting the Fantastic Four and the X-Men in. That is pure speculation. And usually when people speculate wildly like that, that's not what happens. But, you know, and by the way, no Beta Ray Bill yet. But we still have a whole, we have, is it 10 episodes so. for
1: this one? I actually, okay, I, was, I actually don't know so,
0: how many So, no Bay bill yet, but they've got to get there. Is it what? that many? Oh, so Loki is actually only going to be six episodes.
1: What? Okay. Yeah,
0: it looks like Loki's, but that's fine. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I thought, handled their six episodes really well. Uh, so, I'm excited.
2: So, yeah. I, I, I thought they needed a little bit I, more room, I agree. But...
0: Um, it is nice that they aren't afraid to limit themselves on the number of episodes, though. I feel like, you know, they can get in there, tell the story, because WandaVision was 10. So, I feel like there's maybe some creative room there in what they want to do.
2: I just hope they can nail the end, you know. Make people satisfied, considering that so many people thought that Mephisto was going to be in uh, in uh, WandaVision. And then all the uh, speculation with uh, mm-hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier... They're going to have to, they're, they're going to have to nail the ending because I just don't think that they, they've got some goodwill built up, but eventually, you know, people are, are going to start not being as enthusiastic about it. I know that, that there is this, you know, push to, uh, to, to try to manage people's expectations a little bit more. It seems like that they've been really active in the past kind of fueling people's imaginations about things and what may or may not happen. You know, that can get out of control quick.
0: I do want to ask you guys real quick, before I get to the recommendation, what do would you want for the future of Marvel television? Is there something... That you've thought about or something that's happened that you would like to see them do because clearly I think that at this point they've abandoned their ABC series, their Hulu series, and the Netflix stuff as being canon with the movies. They've, they seem to be ignoring and removing that sort of stuff. So is there something that you would like to see? In f- the future of Marvel T V on Disney Plus and these like mini series and things like that. Oh,
3: I personally loved Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. I-, I-, I don't want them to redo those because I enjoyed them, but I would love for if they feel like they have to, I would love to, you know, see those and Night Nurses got my heart, especially when she's played by Rosario Dawson. So she bay.
2: I'd like to see Punisher come back. I just don't know if Disney has the stomach for that, or you know, if it's uh, you know something that's been completely taken off the table, although I've heard that several of the actors from the TV shows that were on Netflix have been retained, I just hope that uh, we could maybe see a little bit more of Frank Kessel. I think that his character's been hijacked a bit by people who don't really understand exactly who that character is. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more of, of The Punisher.
0: I think the Punisher would probably work best in like a in someone else's movie rather than being a sympathetic focus of his own movie. Like he's the superhero, um, kind of like what they did with him in Daredevil season two, where like he's a part of that story. I like I liked what they did with him. I, like, I think Joe Burenthal did a great job. I would not say no to Thomas Jane coming back and retaining the Frank Castle name. Dear God, I just not not because not because of the quality of the movie so much as. I just love Thomas Jane. I really do like that guy.
2: Yeah, he is he is a good actor. I just didn't think that he was very no. good for that particular thing. The way they wrote
0: it in that one is just so much and it's I think the way the both movies, because they did that one and they did Warzone. In case you have forgotten, there was a second Punisher movie with um oh my god. Third. Oh, that's right. The Dolph Lundgren one in the nineties, Thomas Jane in early two uh-huh. thousands, and then we had um, he played one of the Warriors 3 in the Thor movies. What is his name?
2: Oh, uh...
0: Oh my god,
1: I know who you're talking about, and I can't remember.
2: Yeah, I'm totally blanking. Uh, is it, uh... uh
0: it is... Ray I'm Stevenson. gonna hate...
1: Yes. Oh my god.
0: Ray Stevenson uh, played him in Punisher Warzone, which... <laughs> I mean, violence-wise, is, <laughs> like, on point, but it's... It's not good. It's rough. I had a lot of fun watching it. I have not sat back down and rewatched it. I just remember at one point there are these. They had free runners show up in it, and they're jumping between buildings. And he hits one with a rocket launcher. I oh my think. gosh. So he just blows up. Uh, but I, I think that a lot of people are in agreement that the Netflix heroes, those actors, did yep. a great job. <clears throat> Except yeah. for maybe one or two of them. I don't. I don't know. I wonder which which one or two. Who could we be talking
2: about? The the TV route seems to be the best uh, way for that character. I mean, I, I still think that the best Punisher movie is is the Dolph Lundgren one. I mean, it's it's, it's probably as as close to to being that character if not that particular actor.
0: <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I have to go back and watch that. I'll report back to you guys when I go back and rewatch that Punisher. I remember bits and pieces of it. Me personally, I'm excited for a lot of the new characters they're bringing up on the TV shows. Like, I think Kamala Khan's going to show up on her own Disney Plus show before transitioning to the Marvel's movie, which is going to be about her interacting with Captain Marvel. So I'm very, very excited about that. I'm also excited about the possibility of them using Miss Marvel to reboot the idea of inhumans in the MCU, because in the comics, she is an inhuman and they're pretty major characters. And there's some similar history background between them and the Eternals, If I remember correctly, how well how they kind of, it kind of come from a s- same ish, like, and there's like ancient societies, ancient alien societies background. So like there could be something there for us to, for them to tie all that to, but who knows? They may do I just want do whatever a black hell they Little want. Little and movie. that's fine too.
3: To finally come out—that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want at this point. Oh yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> you are—you yes. are not alone. Everybody is ready for that movie, and it so. is coming to theaters and yeah. Disney Plus, right? They're, they're doing the dual release. Uh, I hope so. Which is great. Um, I want to go. I might end up going to the theater, really to the theater this summer to see that, though. Let's get off of Loki and talk about a completely new god. The Last God. Ha
1: ha! Oh, good segue.
0: Yeah. Um, so today I want to talk to you about and recommend to you guys a DC Black miniseries called The Last God. And here's the basic synopsis from DC Comics website. And again, I, I know this is DC, and but this is something, their DC Black content is something everyone should definitely check out. A am black, black yes. DC Black Label is something they should check out. It's something everyone should check out. It has some of the best content, and it's continuity-free. In fact, this is a brand-new IP that doesn't have any associations with other characters in the DC multiverse. The synopsis from their website is, 30 years ago, a band of heroes traveled beyond the borders of creation to kill the last living god and save the realm of Cain and Noon. But when the foul legions of the Last God march again and begin to destroy all of Cain Noon, it will be revealed that the Aging Fellowship may not be the great heroes they claim to be. With the world burning down around them, a new group of unlikely champions will come together to try to bring peace to their world. They'll have to kill the Last God once and for all. This is, tone-wise, to me, it's very much like a dark high fantasy Uh, aesthetically. It reminded me a little bit of like Lord of the Rings and dark crystal. Um, You know, there's a lot of high magic uh, closer to what you would find in the Lord of the Rings book. Whereas the movies kept the magic very simple and low key as far as like the characters and costumes and world being kind of dirty and complex. It's a lot more like that. The author, in my opinion, has done a great job of not just realizing the world but realizing all the characters. Every character, no matter how small, all have different motivations and histories to the point that I'd argue that when a character's no longer on the page, you can imagine the life that they're going through. And that's from characters that are doing high magic to a farmhand that they in uh, a group of, in a small village that they run into. Aside from this, every issue ends with several pages of an in-universe lore book. The author, Philip Kennedy Johnson, has spent a lot of time building this world through maps that you'll find in the back of each issue, uh, maps that you'll find in the one-shot, and you, there's even a D&D source book that they released for it that I believe is a 40-page source book, so you can have your own D&D 5th edition compatible adventures in the world of the last god. god. So they have built a real world with amazing history and characters and you know, it's dark and complex, not unlike in some ways politically uh Game of Thrones. I, I always hesitate to compare things to things to Game of Thrones. I just argue that in the complexity of its human characters. And I guess my timidness comes from the fact that the
3: they, show they I not
0: note. <laughs> So now that you've listened to me stumble through my own recommendation of The Last God, a fantasy series that you should all check out, we are going to move on to the recommendations that we have. Just as a reminder, the recommendations that we have that are coming out this week are based on previews that we can find, and we have not read the books yet themselves. But if any of the publishers, DC, Image, Marvel, Bad Idea, if any of you guys want to send us stuff ahead of time, we'll take it. Contact us through our Facebook site, uh, VF Comics Podcast, and we will definitely read your stuff early and talk about it, for sure. I am going to let Mallory, since you're here with us this week, I'm going to let you start off with your recommendations.
3: Okay, um, so the first thing that I'm really super stoked stoked about is Berserker number three is coming out. And I actually picked up Berserker number one a couple of days ago. Yesterday, it is really great. I really enjoyed it. It is uh, graphic though, so do p- be aware of that if you can't take high graphic stuff. Um, it is pretty bloody. I am super enjoying it so far, and I'm excited about this edition or this uh, issue. That's the word I was looking for. This issue. It is done by Matt Kind, Kind, and Keanu Reeves, which just makes things perfect and amazing. And
1: wonderful. And so I'm really super excited about that. Yeah, I love how um it one hundred percent like looks like, looks Keanu, like Reeves. Keanu Reeves. I wasn't gonna like see. I love that he was just like, I'm writing this and I do not care that this character is like exactly me. like me. That's what I want. Yeah.
3: I will say it looks it looks yeah, it like looks it. it looks pretty shockingly in his image. Um I will say
2: Y'all seem to be a little bit tingly about old uh, Keanu.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. Definitely have a <laughs> mild love affair with Keanu Reeves. I mean, yeah. You leave me alone, yeah. I will say in the first in the first one, he uh, doesn't look like Keanu Reeves for a good half of it, but that's okay because he may have been slightly damaged. Well, I'll say that. But yeah, definitely is in Keanu's likeness for sure. The main character is who is um goes by B. In case anybody was wondering. Uh, And then the second one that I am kind of excited about is Venom's Legacy number 200, which is the last issue in this run is coming out this coming up week, and it's going to be the final chapter. So it'll be the end of this run for Eddie Brock. And so it's kind of sad, but kind of happy. I do love me some Venom. So this is done by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. From what I understand, this will be it for Donny Cates and Venom. He will not be doing any more Venom. He got pulled off of off of Venom from what I not really excited about that. But uh but yeah, excited about this. Um they also will be, you know, releasing a trade with everything.
2: Yeah, I really call hardcover coming.
3: Um, And then the last one, of course, because I'm here, is going to be a webcomic. And so on Webtoons, which I'm really excited about, they, this past week, released the first um, issue, I guess issue, of Red Moth. And Red Moth is done by, I want to say it's Cleo Road, is how you would pronounce it. She is Russian. Um, She's a Russian illustrator and story writer. And she has had this webcomic going for quite a while. And then about six months ago, she took everything down and is starting completely from scratch and rewriting the whole story. The first issue just released last week. And so it's a great time to get into that, um, to start reading her stuff It's beautiful artwork. It's absolutely gorgeous. The story and the lore is really cool. It's about, um, a city that, or uh, the civilization that, um, spirits inhabited. And then these four, four heroes saved the city from the spirits and drove them off. And the lore that kind of, it's, it seems really in depth, the story work behind it It seems really, really in-depth and the artwork is gorgeous. You can catch her on Webtoons as C-L-I-O-R-O-A-D or on Instagram at C-L-I-O-P-E-L-L and uh, so I'm really excited to see the rest of her stuff. It looks really awesome.
0: James, anything interesting coming out this week from you?
2: Uh, Yeah, there's a book from Aftershock called uh, Seven Swords It's coming out. Uh, apparently it contains, like, D'Artagnan, Don Juan, Captain Blood, Cyrano de Bergeek. A lot of these, like, um, characters from that time period seems like kind of a adventure tale told in in the way that, you know, possibly Seven Samurai or something like that's told. I mean, I'm just assuming that since they made the magic number seven, there's a long history of of folks sort of using... That basic setup from Seven Samurai to, to Telltales, all the way from, gosh, Hollywood to Italy. That's in cinema, so we have this in comics. It's by a screenwriter named Evan Doherty, who wrote Snow White and the Huntsman. I won't hold that against him. <laughs> uh, and artist Ricardo Latina. So, I, the concept sounds great. Aftershock's really been tearing it up lately. And my second one is uh, Planet X. It's going to be a pretty big deal. There's a lot of hype saying that it's going to really sort of change the way we know the X Men or, or or the direction of the X Men. I'm really curious to see what a uh, what a post Jonathan Hickman X X Men would look like. I don't know if we're going to get it with this, but uh, I think Jonathan Hickman is going to be able to finish up his work on X Men through a mini series that's going to be coming out pretty soon. But I'm really first yeah, check this one out.
0: It looks like going to X-Men, you've got between Planet X, is it is it Planet Planet Size X Men, Planet Size, and X-Men, then they've got the Trial of yeah. Magneto coming up, and then Inferno this fall, which looks like it's going to deal with the consequences with Mystique.
2: Inferno, yeah. Because yeah, uh, seems to be the
0: lover is one of the only people they have refused to bring back, and she is sick of waiting.
2: Yeah, and that was something that Higman sort of seeded all the way back in yeah. House of X, Powers of X. Uh, so you would think that this might be a, the opportunity for him to mm-hmm. kind of put a bow on his run.
0: Megan, what you got for us this week?
1: Let's see, the last issue of um, Luna is going to be coming out this week. And that is from Boom Studios, and it's created by um, Maria Yovett. I think this looks great. It's it's only uh, it's just five issues. So you know, just a mini series. It's about Teresa. So Teresa finds herself in the middle of a enigmatic commune known as the family of the sun. And uh, first assuming it's just a normal cult, like many other in the 60s, she uh, quickly discovers that this is something different and supernatural. With focus on their rampant drug use and uh, secret blood rituals, she begins to suspect that this is not just your run of the mill crazy people. That uh, something never ending and eternal may be
0: never ending. And I love it. Like it seems yeah. to go with something weird might be going on that's never ending and eternal. Really, es- seems to escalate pretty quickly.
2: What's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, cult that. It was like a Southern California cult that I think a lot of like actors and musicians got involved in. and Oh, I don't it know. It kind of went crazy in the later 70s. I have no idea. I love stories like that. I do that. too. I love, much love cult stories.
1: Out? But yeah, the I actually was really interested in it because the art was just amazing. I mean, it looked like it was very 60s. It was very somebody's tripping on acid when they drew this. Or trying to yeah. like draw what it would look like if someone were tripping on acid. Um, She has a very
2: particular art style. It's really cool. And she's got a new one coming out here before too long. Uh, I think it was in previews. But yeah, she's been uh, tearing it up lately.
1: Um, Well, it's definitely for mature readers, described as dark and erotic. Uh, It said several times, mature readers only. So Marcus, you're not allowed to read it. Oh, man.
2: Yeah, she's kind of known for that. So
1: So the next thing that I'm going to be recommending is is a north mythology of volume two issue one from and if you've ever read the novel north mythology from neil gaiman this is what it's based on they've uh gaiman and uh eisner winner p craig russell have started on this graphic adaptation of uh gaiman's north norse mythology and the volume two issue is premiering this week from dark horse so gaiman and russell are retelling the ancient Norse stories, taking readers through the creation of the nine worlds, um the adventures of Thor and Odin and Loki, heyo, we came full circle and all the way to the end, uh Ragnarok. I think that's going to be amazing. Yeah. I absolutely love everything that it's Neil Gaiman does. Definitely closer
0: so. to the mythological yes. Thor, Loki, Odin yeah. than the Marvel characters. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. This is actually based on mythology. <laughs> so, um, which is what I, I, when I saw this, I knew this is what I had to wreck because I love anything mythology. So it
2: sounds great. Yeah, I was noticing that, uh, that P Craig Russell's been posting a lot of like process photos and things about, you know. you know, showing off his artwork for the, for the series. He's always been one of my favorites all the way going back to the, uh, to the kill Raven days.
1: That's all I got. I was also going to talk about Berserker, but somebody I'm beat sorry. me to it. I'm it's almost
2: kidding. like y'all both have
0: feelings uh, for Keanu Reeves.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm like long distance yeah. relative, uh, yeah. so
3: I get claim. I'm sorry.
1: I'm not going to say that I didn't see the cover and want to wreck it, and then realize it was Keanu no, that's Reeves, true. and then yeah. really want to wreck it. I'm not going to say that. You Ralph. That's what
0: happened. So you're gonna wreck
1: it. You're gonna like, wreck it, Ralph. Oh, oh God, that was such a no, no! Take it back. It was I'm leaving a that joke, joke in now, based oh, dear completely Jesus. on
0: the feelings of it.
1: So God. for okay.
0: so for this week, I have three pretty different series. The first is a horror anthology series. The Silver Coin number three comes out this week. The series, I believe, is just going to be five issues total, and it has Michael Walsh, Chip Zadarsky who is one of our nominees this year for an Eisner, Kelly Thompson, Ed Bryson, and Jeff Lemire. Lemire, I I never can tell how people want me to pronounce that. Got a lot of big names behind the story writing. Each issue, it says, will tell a tale of terror in a shared supernatural world. Number three is about after a home invasion goes bad, the mysterious coin helps its new owners outrun the law, but it's leading them down a path much Darker. So, whatever that means, it looks like the anthology is about a silver coin that follows maybe people through bad luck for the whole series. Definitely something to check out, really caught my eye. The next book that I want to talk about that's starting this week is Static Number One. It is the return of one of Milestone Comics' most famous superheroes. Written by Vita Ayala and illustrated by Chris Cross. Bully nerd, Virgil Hawkins wasn't the kind of kid you'd normally find on the streets at a protest, but like everyone else in the city of Dakota, he was fed up. Unfortunately, the first time he stood up to raise his voice, the world turned upside down. The experimental tear gas released that day left some of his classmates maimed or dead, but it left Virgil and others with stunning new abilities. Virgil has power inside him now, real power, the ability to channel and manipulate electromagnetic fields. But there's an anger burning inside of him, too. What is sub- he supposed to do about all this? And first and foremost, what is he supposed to do about his bullies now that they've got superpowers, too? I don't have a lot of experience with this author, but I do know that she's been doing some work for some of the X-Men titles over uh, at Marvel. So, um, particularly... Um, Particularly New Mutants is one of the series I saw her writing on. I'm really liking that series. I have not been reading Children of the Atom, another series she's been working on, though. So I'm a fan of the work of hers that I have read. So I'm really, really excited to see her taking on Static and Virgil Hawkins and The World of Dakota. I'm not 100 percent sure if this is specifically a milestone universe event or if they're incorporated into the DC Universe James do you know for sure
2: I don't know I don't know if it's if it is, it is uh, part of the milestone initiative that they're doing right yeah. now that book has a heck of a history
0: oh yeah there's a lot going there's a lot going on there and honestly milestone uh, really pushes for uh, diversity and minority writers and characters. Hopefully this initiative really goes off with a bang and it looks like they have some good writers and artists on it. The last book that I'm going to recommend is I like to sometimes find a book for children that's aimed and targeted at young children. Because maybe The Last God is not <laughs> the book that children should be reading, nor The Silver Coin or Berserker. So a book, issue number one of the book coming out this week, is called Claire and the Dragons by Wonder and Tunis. And I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I could not find a lot about uh, this author's work, but here is the synopsis for this book coming out. The villagers talk about the crazy old hermit, Lantar who lives in the caves. They say he stands guard against dragons that will never come, creatures that exist only in his mind. Young Claire is the only one who believes him and has befriended the old outcast. She doesn't realize that he has been training her to fight and telling her ancient stories for a very special reason. Lontar wants Claire to take his place and save the ungrateful people who mock them both. Soon their laughter will be replaced with cries for help, and one brave girl armed with only her fighting staff will be the villagers' last hope.
3: That sounds adorable.
0: That synopsis feels like it can go to some potentially really mature places, um, which is some of my favorite children's literature and shows. Aren't afraid to tell a mature story. Not every mature, mature doesn't always have to mean uh, ultraviolence, sex, and things like that. So this looks really, really cool. Definitely something to
2: kids check out. should always be reading about a about a level above what they're supposed to be reading. That's so it puts the edge in it. You know, you, you got to find out about stuff eventually. That is going to be it for this
0: week's episode of the VF Comics Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. Make sure to find us on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know what you think on your favorite podcasting app. And then also, if you do visit us on our social media, let us know what you'd like to hear about. Do you have a series that we're not talking about? Are you writing a new series? If you have something that you are writing and publishing independently, let us know about it and we can check it out and read about it here at the VF Comics podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see y'all next week.